Hello, and welcome to episode three of the High Side News podcast. I'm your host, Luke Newman, and once again, I'm joined by Short Shift News owner and author, Dawn Hammersley. Dawn, how are you doing today? Fine, thank you, Luke. Good, good. And also, I'm joined by MotoGP esports rider, Jack Hammersley. How are you doing, Jack? I'm good, thank you. Cool. We have another weekend of crazy World Superbike action to discuss. Uh, the World Superbike and Supersport riders have just had their second round of the season out at Mandalika. And if you thought Phillip Island was crazy, well, Mandalika threw up some amazing and wild results for certain riders. However, before we get into the World Superbike racing, we should first discuss the news that came out of the FHO racing team this morning. This year, Josh Brooks will be taking part in the Isle of Man TT for the FHO racing team. Dawn, what do you think about the Australian competing at the Isle of Man? Oh, it's great. It's great news. And I can see him doing quite well. He has got a little bit of pressure because of his teammate, Peter Hitman. I mean, that's a bit tough going for him, really. But I'd like to see Josh do well. I'm pleased about that news this morning. Uh, Jack, what do you think about the FHO uh, lineup for the Isle of Man TT with Brooks and Peter Hickman? Will it be an all-conquering team or will maybe Brooks struggle a little bit? I think um, naturally Brooks will struggle a little bit because he hasn't been there in five years. So he's got, and there's, but it's going to be probably, he did mention there's a new format, so I'm not quite sure that is. But that might come into handy, you never know. But I think he'll do well. Just looking at his past results, he has won a TT. He's won the senior TT on a 1962 pattern 500. Finishing the top five of a, of a senior TT under Norton, so um, top five, I think that'll be good. Whether it could be a FHO one two, that'd be quite hard because you got the likes of Lee Johnston and uh, Dean Harrison and David Todd probably there. So they, they'll be the ones. They will probably be the top four. Then top, then you know Josh could be top five. That team's good enough to be there. He's good enough to be there. So. We just have to see, but I think it's just good. He's um, we saw him return at the Northwest last season, and he got third place. So I think he just, if he wants to do the TT, it's good that he's doing it. Yeah, I think overall it's a, an exciting addition to the lineup at the the TT, and we'll definitely bring in a few more spectators to go along and watch. Uh, let's get into World Superbikes then, Dawn. I'll ask you this first. Did you think the Mandalika racing was more? entertaining to watch than the the Phillip Island racing. Yes, I did. Not by much, but definitely. And yet again, the battle from like fourth place to ninth place was immense, which was something we didn't see last year. It was just concentrated on the three at the front. But yeah, it's been really exciting. Jack, what did you think of how Mandalika compared to Phillip Island? I mean it was obviously a bit more difficult given the the width of the racing line. And we saw what happened when people went off that racing line, particularly in the Super Pole race. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I think it was race two. There was hardly a lap where something wasn't happening. Or, you know, so... It's, I wasn't expecting it to be that sort of chaotic and exciting, but I'm um, glad it was. And I don't know... Uh, I'd say at the front it was ever better than Philip Island because Bautista didn't just roll roll away with it straight away. But yeah, I'd, I'd say it was it was on par or better than Philip Island. Well, yeah, you summed that up pretty well there. And obviously, like Jack mentioned there, Bautista didn't run away and win every race this weekend. We actually had the second race winner of 2023 other than Alvaro Bautista. However, let's start with race one, which... Uh, Bautista did win, and he did continue his his winning streak to four races, and he was very impressive once again, and it was very worrying. He won by 4.8 seconds over Top Rack and Locatelli. Jack, what did you think of Bautista's, uh, again, domination over the field in race one? Well, the first thing that, when I, when I found out that he was running the SC1 front and SCX rear, and everybody else was on the harder tyres, I was like, this must be a big gamble, but Bautista is notoriously good on the tyres. And despite using the softer tyres, he was the only one whose tyres never dropped off, which is... So what he does with that bike, I have no idea. But as soon as he took... He seemed like... Um, especially like coming out of turn 14, the drive he'd get compared to everyone else was ridiculous. And just seeing his 
race pace, just doing constant 32s, I-32s. Because even when, you, you know, the tyres in the teens of age and you've got Toprak just struggling to stay in the low 33s and there's Bautista just easily in the 32s. It's just, it's quite worrying that in, that in these situations, he can, he's just got such an advantage over everybody else. But whatever that skill is he's able to do with the tyres, I think everybody's wanting to possess it. Yeah, he wasn't the only Ducati that was running up towards the front. We also had uh, Bassani and Petrucci in uh, fourth and fifth on. What did you make of uh, rookie Petrucci and also Bassani, who is still on a hunt for that factory Ducati ride, I think it's clear to say. What did you think of their uh, race one? Yes, very strong. Again, like you say, Bassani, he's eyeing up for, I think, for his ride next year, and he's always there, sort of third, fourth, he's always going to be there. And Petrucci, I think he's had a really strong ride. Yeah, perhaps Alex Lowe's won't think so. But um, yeah, no, really proud of Petrucci. He's done really well. Yeah, I mentioned the other Ducati riders there, but uh, I'll talk about Rinaldi for a minute with his race one. It seems Rinaldi seems to be blowing hot and cold this season so far. It seems if he can stay on the bike and actually finish the race, he gets good results. That yeah. was shown at uh, Phillip Island where he picked up two podiums. Uh, however, this weekend, didn't stand on the podium and crashed out of race one at the very first corner. And it's safe to say he nearly took out his teammate into that first corner, nearly wiped out Bautista. Uh, I think James Toesland summed it up in commentary pretty well about how you could see Rinaldi almost take avoiding action when he realised that he was going to go down and sort of prevented trying to take out his teammate. As well as we had another Italian who did well, as well as uh, Bassani and Petrucci, Andrea Locatelli. He said last uh, last weekend at Phillip Island was his best World Superbike uh, weekend ever. I think he's just topped that at Mandalika. Jack, what did you make of uh, Locatelli? You seem to be growing in stature week by week. Yeah, Andrea's made a huge mental steps from last season to this season. You know, P3 and P2 in the first two races. In the... F- in the last race, he was missing just a little bit of something. Don't quite know what that was, but I think that'll just make it not his best weekend ever, in his opinion, because I think he would have round, wanted to round off with another podium or at least a top four to keep that top four streak going. But he's made huge strides in his riding. I think maybe him just no longer focusing on top tracks data, that could be a tactic he must be doing. Or he's just, maybe he's just, got a new mindset I don't know but he's definitely made the right steps and he seems to be the the strongest one or the most consistent one of the of the rest that are on the Titanic trio yeah well he's he is beating one of the Titanic trio in the championship at the moment Locatelli is third in the standings at the moment uh with 70 points only five points behind his teammate top rat Raskatioglu but he is also very far ahead of Jonathan Ray at the moment in the standings. He's down in sixth. Dawn, what did you make of uh, Locatelli and, I guess, Patty Yamaha as a whole this weekend with Top Rack? Yeah, I think they were a bit stronger this weekend. And I think with Locatelli, it's been a bit more of a mental thing with him. I can always remember last year, um, they were speaking to his crew chief, Andrew Pitt, and it just depends on how he wakes up in the morning and what mindset he's in. So I think this year he's really switched himself on. And like you say, he, he has got a bit of a threat hanging over him with his seat. So I think it could be that as well. But no, he, he's made a great start to the season. Yeah, and hopefully it continues because it's good to see a different name and a, a different face up towards the front of World Superbikes. Uh, we just mentioned him with part of the Titanic trio. But uh, Jonathan Ray, he didn't have a, a great start to his weekend in Mandalika. Got penalised in qualifying and put back three places, I believe, after holding up Ertel on his qualifying lap and got pushed down to eighth place on the grid. And in race one, he just couldn't seem to recover and uh, finished in in ninth place. Dawn, what did you make of uh, the six-time world champion start to the weekend? Yeah, he just hasn't had the start that he wanted at all. And he just doesn't seem to be able to progress. Uh, There's something definitely lacking with the bike, and you can just tell in his face he looks stressed. It's, it's not what he's used to. And you can tell he's riding the wheels off that Kawasaki. It's no lack of commitment from him. 
but now he, he is struggling. Yeah, it's a, it's a rarity to see a rider of Jonathan Ray's stature and ability down that far, but also Jackie's teammate in race one was down in 10th at the end of it. So Kawasaki seemed to potentially be in trouble or just a, a circuit that doesn't suit their bike? Well, Ray was really strong in the first half and then his tyre just completely fell. And it looked like Lowe's just could be the one that could salvage the top five for Kawasaki. But his tyres somehow managed to drop off even worse. So I think the main problem they've got so far is tyre wear. But that's just one issue of a lot of issues that they've got currently. Fortunately, you can't quite tell because they're not really, really like you can't like see a direct comparison where compared to like the Yamaha, let's say where they are. But they're definitely lacking something, and they need to. Well, they've got six weeks, obviously, to lessen. They've got a test in between, and they're gonna have to maybe get a new part or just find something in the settings to try and fix those tire woes. Because I don't think they can go on much longer with, with uh, this kind of performance. Yeah, it's, it is unusual to see a uh, Kawasaki racing team down that far. And also, Tom Sykes, again, one of you may be able to, to correct me if I'm wrong, but was he one of the riders who was ill this weekend? With yes. The... Yeah, very. He was thinking he was one of the worst. But, he, but I yeah. think he, he just, he, despite him probably being one of the worst, he actually chose to to ride. Even though he never finished any of the races, he still rode, I think, just maybe just to try and get some data for the rest of the season. When he pulled in this weekend, I'm assuming that was due to his illness then and not yeah. due to bike problems again. Yeah, yeah. He, he returned to pits and then went back out three laps later after he had a rest. Okay, yeah. That, I, couldn't, I couldn't quite remember what uh, Sykes' situation was and I was hoping it wasn't more mechanical issues for the Pachetti team, but fair play to Sykes taking part and going for it. One of the two riders did sit out of uh, Saturday actually with Gardner and Granado not taking part but one of the riders who did and uh, seemed to not be enjoying his Saturday very much was Scott Redding a uh, 11th place start for Scott a DNF I believe it looked like a mechanical issue came back in um, what's the best way to word this he didn't look too happy with the uh the BMW or the team as he rolled into pit lane and smashed the uh, the screen on the front of his of his BMW and then uh, used some rather grown up language in the pit box that was caught by uh, by the uh, by the cameras and uh, it sparked some uh, some rumours uh, especially from Greg Haynes saying on Eurosport of potentially Scott Redding might not be with BMW at the end of the year or maybe halfway through the season calls it quits. Dawn, what did you uh what did you think of the Scott Redding rumour that was started on Eurosport as such? Very interesting really. And you sort of think, well if he does manage to make it to the end of the season with all the troubles and everything, where will he go next year? That's what I've just been thinking, because obviously he won't go back to Ducati. I don't think they'd have him anyway. But where would what would he do? So I, I just think it's going to be a very long season for Scott and BMW. It will be interesting to see how it pans out. It did get slightly better for him, I think, as the weekend went on. But, he, yeah, there's something uh, not quite right there. Yeah, it, it looked like potentially an issue he had been suffering with before from his reaction. But, uh, Jack, what did you make compared to his teammate, Michael Vandermark, who finished the race in sixth place? So there's clearly, you know, the BMW is, you know, it's up there. It had performance. Yeah, I mean, Vandermark all, all weekend or basically all season so far has been the strongest BMW. He, he seems to be like the one rider who maybe had the similar tyre wear to Bautista, which is quite weird considering we know how bad BMW are managing tyres. But whether it's just riding style-wise or what, but Vandermark, he just seems to be the stronger one of the two currently. And I mean, if he hadn't been for the for his crashing race too, he'd probably be head of Scott in the championship right now. So, I think that squad it's 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 all about just trying to stay patient, trying to stay positive, trying to understand everything, and not try and rush into searching for answers and just try and make sure they know what the main problem is and how they're going to solve it. Because otherwise, you're just going to be getting in a downward spiral and you're never going to get out of it. But I don't. I think 
think for Scott, seeing Fanwart get sick from race one, that should be good for him, but I just don't know if it may be frustrating that it wasn't him, given that he had to do all the work last season for BMW while Van der Mark was mainly injured. But I think Van der Mark's the 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 the, the, the hope for Baz in qualifying was very good. Van der Mark and the races were very good, so I think they're the they're showing the potential of the BM, just they yeah, can't they don't think they fully know what the bike's capable of and what the best settings are for it yet. So we just have to wait and see how they develop. I'll ask you this as well. Scott Redding, the uh, the rumour of him leaving BMW, do you think there could potentially be any truth behind it? Would he leave before the end of the season? Or if he was gonna go, it would be at the end of the season, do you reckon? I think naturally it'd be at the end of the season, but I think if communication just completely breaks down, he could just be like after, like maybe before the last round or something like that, he'd just go, I can't be dealing with this, I need to take a mental break or whatever and then try and find a seat somewhere else. Where that'd be, I have no idea. I mean, the best, I think probably the best place would be, be British, really. But uh, unless... This lowers his contract up for Kawasaki this season because that's the only place I could see him with a chance at. But... I'm not sure on that one, oh. but yeah, him, him and Jonathan Ray as a team could work. They've, you know, they've they've been friends in the past when Scott was at, at Ducati, so it's all up in the air at the moment with Scott Redden with and BMW as a whole with how they they are performing so far in World Superbikes. But Honda took a step all weekend. I think it's safe to say. Vierge was definitely their standout rider. Uh, race one, he finished seventh place after qualifying thirteenth, but also he got a podium in race two, which maybe came as a surprise to a lot of people since it was his first World Superbike podium. And I know a lot of people probably thought Lacuona would be the star Honda man this year, but Jack Vierge's shown up at Mandalika and he's sort of trying to fight for that number one spot at Honda, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, last weekend we 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 said that he wasn't wasn't like it was a bad weekend, but he just never showed anything. But then this weekend, it's sort of like sort of reminiscence of when Bautista would be at the really hot tracks on the Honda, and he could actually pull some kind of result out the bag. And you saw saw that in Vierge and the quota. I feel like naturally he wasn't going to do well just because of what happened last season and him when he broke his ankle. So. And he, he was having like he was having really big rear end moments to think maybe the corner was just paranoid that he was going to be sent flying to the sky for the third time or the third time a Honda gets sent flying at that circuit. So I think Vierge had full confidence and he just rode the wheels of that uh, CBR one thousand Treble R and yeah, brilliant result in, in race two and maybe he could be the number one now, but I'm pretty sure Ika will. Return at us and back to um back to fight for the podium like we know he, he can be. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how the the Hondas develop this season and uh, how those two like as riders how they develop together. Obviously, both Spanish. So when they get to the, I think Jerez still on the calendar later on in the season with Catalonia as well. I think those two will be scrapping for for top honors, especially at home, and they both seem about level at certain tracks on that Honda. Dawn, what did you make of, of Honda completely this weekend compared to at Phillip Island? Yes, I thought like they were very strong. And like I said last week, Vierge didn't really turn up compared to Laquona. Like this round, they've changed places. But it's like Jack said, I think Laquona, it might have been a bit of a mental issue with him because of last year. But yeah, Vierge was really strong this weekend. And yeah, it just shows to what we can see more of them this year. Yeah, carried on over into the Super Pole again, where uh, yeah. Top Rack Raskatioglu won the race. It was, uh, well, it was different from seeing Bautista and uh, the Ducati out front. And instead, we saw two Yamahas out of front. We saw Top Rack leading and his teammate Locatelli only a second behind. Uh, and Bautista ended up on the floor which was something that uh, I don't think many people would have predicted going into Mandalika. I don't think we did. Uh, Dawn, what did you make of, let's go with Top Rack and Top Rack's performance in the Super Pole race? Yeah, it was very strong. It was what we used to seeing from Top Rack and it was nice to see him at the front again. Um, and like you say, 
having his teammate behind him as well, a, a Yamaha one too, it couldn't have gone any better for them. Jack, what did you think of uh, the Bautista the Bautista crash? Yeah, I mean, Toprak did the right thing. He got to the front, like but you stayed at the front, and and Bautista notoriously weaker in the first few laps. So they did that, and it was sort of like I could see Bautista was beginning to close in, especially in a few areas. But then Ray, did like Bautista Ray were about to maybe try and attack Toprak at some point, and then. Ray did his favourite passing manoeuvre at turn 12. It was kind of late and he didn't quite get the drive out the corner I think he wanted. Caused them both to go on the dirty part of the track. And I think Ray was just fortunate he was at a, a lower, a smaller lean angle than Bautista because all Bautista had to do was hit the gas and he was sent flying due to the dirt on the track. So I don't think it was... I don't think it, was entire, it wasn't... I don't think it was a Bautista, Bautista's fault that it happened, but I think it was just a, a general mistake of just... Um, I don't know what, like maybe just a lack of caution from Bautista, just not knowing that there was such a lack of grip on that part of the track. But yeah, yeah. I think I don't think Bautista will be like angry at himself, or maybe he will be angry at himself. He's like he didn't cause himself to take that to be in that area, so it's not like a fully mistake by his part. And then you got Ray, who it was like the only race where Ray looked like his old self, and then he went and. The smallest of mistakes trying to do an overtake and that cost him the podium. And yeah. fun fun fact about this weekend for Ray is it's only the third time he's got a weekend on the Kawasaki without a podium. Nearly the two times it's happened. So it's, it was in twenty fifteen at Haref when he won the championship and in Portimao twenty twenty when he won the championship. So it's the first non championship winning weekend where he's not finished on the Kawasaki, which is quite a worrying thing to look at. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that stat. Thanks for bringing that up, Jack. That shows where Kawasaki are as a whole, where their number one rider, who you know has been their top dog since 2015, didn't put it on the podium at all throughout the weekend, which is a rarity we've not seen from, from Ray throughout his World Superbike career. Uh, a massive talking point from the Superbike race was the red flag that came out with the, the crash between Lowe's, Baz, and Petrucci was involved, but stayed on the bike. And both Lowe's and Baz rejoined. However, Baz later couldn't finish the race after another incident between himself and Alex Lowe's, where Baz ended up breaking his right ankle and his fibula, I believe, in his leg. Dawn, what did you think of the the incident between Lowe's and Baz? They've, they've said there was nothing serious between it. Did you just see it as a, a racing incident between the two? Yes, really, because he did stick his leg out a little bit. So you think if it wasn't Alex Lowe's, it could have been another rider. It was just very unfortunate. It really was. And like you say, it, I think Baz is going to be out for a while now with that injury. Yes, it, it was just a racing accident, I think. Yeah, Baz, is, uh, Baz has been very vocal on uh, social media about the the whole situation itself, defending Alex Lowe's from some hate that he was getting online yeah. and also sort of suggesting reasons why it happened. And I saw one post, Jack, I don't know if you saw it, from Baz on Instagram, I believe, where he was saying about how there was really only the racing line and then everywhere else on the circuit was was just covered in dust and dirt. And you could see that from the photos that Baz was posting. What what did you make of his opinion of they shouldn't be racing on tracks that haven't been cleaned beforehand and or haven't been used in months and they should wait until something else has been there? Yeah, I mean, it's... When it, you, you have to be that close to do a safe overtake, it obviously doesn't turn safe if we found out. So, we it reminds me of when in uh, San Juan in twenty nineteen, there was a some riders who refused to race because of how bad the circuit was. So, I think whether they just need to, I don't, I don't know what the safest way to do it, but they need to find a way of on the race week of the week building up, they're going to try and clean the track somehow because you can't just pray that them running around on the same because to create racing you have to go off the racing line and you can't do that there so it's um they need to do something about that i don't know what the solutions are but they need to especially when it comes to motor gp you know we don't we don't want to be seeing the same thing so just got to pray that they they they're taking it in and they'll look into it and try and figure out what the best solutions are to fixing this problem 
Yeah, you mentioned in the uh, the San Juan the San Juan thing from 2019, but got me thinking. And Baz was one of the riders that did boycott that race because of the the racing alliance. So it is an issue that we've seen before in World Superbikes, and one that Baz has been vocal about before, being one of the the six or seven riders that that refused to take part in it. And we all wish Baz a, a speedy recovery, and hopefully he'll be back because he was starting to get up there, especially in qualifying and for. Uh, Indonesia he was up there but if MotoGP bikes have to race around Mandalika in that condition then things could be a lot worse like I don't know we could see more crashes like the the Marquez incident last year which you know, was that monstrous high side he have he had if more people go offline and things like that just shouldn't be happening for, for riders like Baz who is now probably going to be sidelined for a while um, on to the other results from Super Pole we had Alex Lowe's on the podium again outperforming his teammate Jonathan Ray in that race something that he did also in the Super Bowl race I believe at Phillip Island as well Dawn what did you make of uh, Lowe's once again on the podium yeah he's done well as like say if he's having a good day Alex will get on the podium and he he's, he always gives 110% so it is nice to see him to actually get a result after the very tricky um, race and the incident with with Baz so yeah I was pleased for Alex Yep, Jack, was there uh, looking down the field? Was there anyone else that caught your eye throughout the Super Bowl race? Uh, not really. We obviously, I think Lowe's got quite lucky because I can't, because you had to remember uh, Greg and James were really confused over the ruling of could mm-hmm. Lowe's be allowed to return because you have to return with your the bike you ran in five minutes. I mean, remember when Sykes and um, he crashed on the, in the red. Uh, when the race was red flagged at Donington and Oil, and didn't allow him to rerun the race, I can't quite. Remember, I don't remember what lap that was on. I think it was like lap two, but it just he got. I think he got very fortunate that he was allowed to race again, and he took it. You know, third place, the only Kawasaki podium. So I think he did well. I just can't quite put my finger on if there were any other standout rides really in that race. Yeah, Reading. Inside the points with Vandermark, uh, Rinaldi. He finished the race, unlike in race one, but it didn't. Again, he was behind Bassani though uh, in in the Super Bowl race. Rinaldi down in seventh, Bassani in uh, fifth place. Sorry, Jack, you look like yeah. You uh, Rinaldi re- uh, revealed that in the in the first half of the Super Bowl race, he was having struggles with his engine braking. He was having too much engine braking, so the rear was locking. So that's why you saw him run wide a few times. As soon as he's dead, as soon as he fixed it. He was back on the his usual pace, but because of where he was, he couldn't quite make his his way through the order. So that's why he finished where he did. Okay, so we could have expected to see maybe more of Ronaldi in the in the Super Bowl race, but electrical issues not allowing him to show his full potential. Vieje once again up there in sixth, and we saw the return of Remy Gardner on Sunday morning, and I thought he put in. He didn't get points in Super Bowl because of how the race works, but I thought he put in a good day as a whole with a 14th place in Super Bowl. Dawn, obviously, no points for that race, but a good showing from Gardner, who was also one of the, the riders who was ill throughout the weekend. Yes, definitely. That was a strong performance, really, after being so ill. I mean, he must have been really ill not to take part in race one on Saturday. So, yeah, he did really well. Please, for Remy. Uh, Jack, one I've just noticed is Lekwona down in 16th place in the Super Bowl. Have you uh, seen anything about what was the issue with Lekwona? Because I, I can't remember off the top of my head what what went wrong for him in the Super Bowl race as a whole compared to his teammate. I think he just, I think he just naturally wasn't confident in, in those conditions. We saw the amount of times in practice and qualifying that he would be going into a corner, the rear end would slide out and be visibly angry about it. So maybe it's just... Just, he was taking that much caution, and when you take caution in, in World Superbikes, you get eaten up very quickly. So, I think that probably what it was. Maybe there was some kind of issue that I'm not aware of, but I think it was just more caution than anything. Yeah, you say you can't uh, go easy in the World Superbikes at the moment. I think Petrucci summed that up pretty well, actually, where he was saying that World Superbikes at the moment is like a bar fight, where the riders <laughs> are coming at you from left, right, and centre, yeah, yeah. and I think it's true. It seems to be, I think we said it uh, last week, It's it really is probably the most competitive we've seen 
World Superbikes for a long time, and every rider does deserve to be on that grid. And I think Petrucci may be starting to feel it a little bit, especially in the Superbike race where he's outside the points behind Van der Mark and Redding. But uh, he he's still there in race two with a, another sixth place. And just looking at you, we've just mentioned him, Remy Gardner, seventh place. Jack, what did you think of him in, in race two, Remy? Yeah, he was great. I mean, so I thought that position was going to be taken by Domi, given Domi's stumble riding and he would have had a higher grid position. But yeah, Remy, he, he looked strong on Friday before his illness. And it's it's, sort of, it's just sort of a big what if, because if he'd been, if he'd done Super Bowl, he probably would have qualified in the first three rows. He would have probably, in the Super Bowl race, probably qualified for the front two rows, given the instance that happened. So it's sort of like, Remy could have possibly been in the top five, maybe, for the, in this race. But, uh, yeah, I think Remy did a very strong race. Dobby looked good in race one, going from a bit dropping all the way to 18th after the Rinaldi incident, and then got to eight, taking Ray and Lowe's on turn one. But then in the other two races, he was nowhere, which really surprised me. Yeah, uh, 11th place, and then 12th place for, for Dobby and Super Pole and race two. Dawn, what did you make of the GRT team and Remy's return and Agatha's sort of decline throughout the weekend of his results? Yeah, because you always because they always seem so glued together. You always seem to see them on track, um, and I think Agatha had a better Saturday than he did Sunday. Well, I just think they're going to be a real strong force at each round they do. I think they're going to get stronger. I really do. And yeah, I think Remy should be proud of himself how he rode and getting um, seventh in race two. Really good. Yeah, just looking down the uh, the championship, Remy's now 13th, uh, Domi's in, in 10th place, but there's only a five-point difference between them. So obviously there are riders like Lowe's and Ertel in between them, but they're still together pretty much in the championship. Yeah. It's sort of where yeah. you'd expect them to be, maybe making their way up a bit more throughout the throughout the season but a name there that I just mentioned Ertel I don't remember seeing much of him this weekend at all he almost after what we called a very strong Australian round for, for the German rider he was almost invisible throughout this weekend with see where he was 13th 13th and then where was he in the last race he didn't finish in race two so uh, really the only Ducati rider, I'd say, that had a very poor weekend. Jack, would would you agree with that? Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking that where's Ertel has disappeared. But in race two, we did actually see Ertel. Unfortunately, it was him running into the back of Vandermark's high side in BMW. Of course. So, yeah, it was it was like it was weird. I don't know why he wasn't as fast or as strong as he was in Philip Island or the testing. But you know, being on the Ducati, you expect him. To at least have a strong late race pace, but maybe the bike just didn't wasn't working for him. He wasn't fully confident with the track, but I think um, yeah, he picked up three points over the weekend compared to I can't remember how many points. Well, that's obviously a lot less than compared to Philip Island, but I think uh, he's just got to stay calm and not overthink anything. Yeah, I've just had a look at where Ertel was last year at uh, Mandalika, and again, he didn't have a very strong performance there in his, his rookie year, where he retired in race one, finished 14th in the Super Bowl race, and then didn't start race two. So maybe potentially a bit like Lequona of of bad memories of the circuit and a lack of confidence around uh, Mandalika for him. But again, I guess the Ducati that is still stealing all the headlines is Bautista, he won again in race two, this time not by four seconds, by 1.2 seconds, a bit like a top rack margin in Super Pole. Dawn, what did you think of Bautista's return to the top step in race two? Yeah, he, he earned it. He, he rode a good race and it was it was nice to see top rack close, getting closer to him because we thought, are we going to have a battle and like we used to see him last year, but it didn't happen. But yeah, he's rode great over the weekend and you can't really say it was his fault that he fell off in the Super Pole race, so yeah, he's still very strong and the one that everybody's got to fear, I think. Jack, the Bautista, the one everyone still has to fear. What, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, he was the strongest rider, but I think he got lucky in race two, the fact he got red flagged. I would, I would be very interested to see if, say, 
Bautista, because I, mean, I think he would have got to P2 at some point. Had he got, if the race went red flag and he got to P2, would he have been able to close that two plus second gap to Rinaldi? We don't know how Rinaldi would have fared in the last few laps because of his DNF in race one. But again, even on used tyres in the rerun, he was running the SC0 tyre. He had to change, you know, he went to a completely different compound and all tyres, you know, everyone was running used tyres, but um, it's just like Bautista just doesn't feel the impact of these tyre wear woes that everyone else is feeling. So he's, it's, you've just got to think that any of the round, all the races like Catalonia where tyre wear is a massive issue. Bautista is 99% chance of not suffering from it. So it's, it's really worrying for everyone, but yeah, I think Bautista is just, uh, he's on the, um, on the high right now. And, it's looking very unlikely that he's going to be knocked off, by, by, um, knocked off his. Yeah, he he clearly is stoppable though, as it was shown in the Super Bowl race. However, a crash that obviously you know it wasn't anyone else's fault. Uh, but it does look like Bautista. Obviously, we, it can't be a perfect season now. I know a few people I saw saying on social media he's going to run away with it. Yeah, he's going to win everything, but he has been stopped. Top Rack has won a race, so everyone can calm down on that now. But Bautista does still look like the threat to beat. And again, looking at the Titanic trio of Top Rack and Bautista both on the podium, Jonathan Ray didn't finish the race. Uh, I think we mentioned it earlier on. And Alex Lowe's down in 13th place as well in, in race two. Dawn again. It's just been, other than the Super Bowl race, a, a pretty poor weekend for Kawasaki as a whole really with for all of their their four riders and in, in world superbikes yes definitely I think poor Tom Sachs I think he entered the pits again in in race two yeah definitely two rounds they want to put behind them and they've got six weeks now and um Ray's normally very strong around Assen for round three so I think they'll just be putting their heads together ready to concentrate on round three and put the other two behind them yeah, Jack, you said it last week. If Ray isn't in the fight for the win at Assen, then something is, is seriously wrong with Kawasaki and Jonathan Ray, you know, their partnership together. Do you still think, do you think he will be in contention for the win at Assen after this weekend? Or are you starting to have maybe doubts that a podium would be good for, for Ray at Assen? I've no doubt he'll be in the fight for the podium. It's just you've got to wait and see how strong Bautista and Toprak are because they made huge steps last season. Everyone thought Ray was going to, after winning an Esther Rail, hang on, I got this one. the way round to see races happened. I think it was Esther Rail first. Esther Rail first. Whichever way round it was. <laughs> uh, it went Ass and then, then Esther Rail, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, he was strong at Aragon. He beat Bautista Aragon, which was like, whoa, okay. This is. Big. And then he was really fast and answered, but so were Bautista and Toprak, and there was nothing between them. With the steps Bautista's made and the step Toprak has made, it's very unlikely that Ray's made that similar step. But there were, I think maybe they could have reached the seal of how fast they could go at us. And I mean, they were that fast, they could have qualified like on the MotoGP grid and not be last. So um, it's hard to know till they get there, but. I mean, in, in even the Tenkarte days when that Honda was not the fastest thing, he'd always fight for the win. So I think naturally Johnny will be there in the fight. I just have a feeling that if they haven't fixed everything, that he will, at the start he will be in the fight and then as the race progresses, it will be harder for him to stay there. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think we, we probably all share the same opinion on Johnny Ray around Assen. He's been incredible there in the past and definitely a weekend that he will want to forget uh dawn standout riders in in race two for you who really stood out and caught your eye um Petrucci again he finished six so again he had a really strong ride Rinaldi managed to get up to fourth perhaps obviously not where he'd want to have been and Bierre hey obviously yeah getting getting the podium yeah real strong weekend for him and he's been rewarded for it by getting the podium Honda must have been thrilled. Jack, was there anyone who, not just in race two, but over the weekend that you thought 
should have done better. Could have been in the fight more and really didn't live up to where they could have been at Mandelica. Well, Rinaldi. <clears throat> Rinaldi, I have to say, he was fast this Sunday and the Friday. He looked really strong. And then race one, obviously, he crashed out. The pole race, he struggled. Then breaking race two. Actually looked like it was going to be his first win in since Catalonia race two in 2021. Then the red flag came out and then Bautista's tyre wear was so much better. And Then he made the mistake on the last lap at turn 10. I feel like just maybe that desperation of trying to win was what's causing him to caused him to make the mistake in the last race. But I think Rinaldi, he's proven he can do it, but I think he's going to have to pray Bautista get some form of bad luck for that to happen because Bautista just seems so strong and there's not much of what that can be done to beat him. Yeah, obviously, Superbikes. Next round at Assen, not for a while now. They get a break of a uh, test or two that I believe Kawasaki will be going to, and I think Honda might be at uh, the first test that Kawasaki are hosting. But there will be another test for all manufacturers for them to try and catch Bautista, which they're going to need after these first two opening rounds. I think that's obvious that Bautista is definitely the favourite going into this first long break that World Superbikes have. But in the super sport category... Uh, Dawn, race one, Chan Onchu won his, his first super sport race. What what did you think of that? Yeah, I was really pleased. We've, we've been waiting for this now. Um, and he just sort of took off and, and led away. Yeah, really pleased for him. Yeah, been waiting a while to see, uh, see Chan Onchu up there. He showed uh, he can win in uh, Moto3 by becoming the, the youngest ever winner in that class. Uh, back in 2019 at uh, Valencia. But Jack, I, I think you you sort of shown before that you, you like Onchu as a rider. What, what did you think of his performance at, at Mandalika? Yeah, I was just glad I, I managed to get another prediction correct. And I was, <laughs> I was seeing, he showed me what he could have done last year if it hadn't been for the mistakes. And he, he raced what he rode perfect. He made no mistakes. Tayo was on point. There was nothing he did wrong. Mentally, he looked strong, you know, he takes every box he needed. He's needed to tick off to finally get that win, and to win by like three plus seconds is in that strong field is really, really good for him. And I was just so happy they finally, you know, it's been neat, you know, four and a bit years since winning um, that race as a fifteen-year-old in the rain in twenty eighteen. So, uh, yeah, I was really happy for him, and um, yeah, it was just I thought it was a race two didn't quite go the same way. But, uh, yeah, I think to finally win a race, that'll be a chip off his shoulder and he's put his stamp on his uh, title charge for this season. Dawn, another rider who was impressive all weekend. Caracasulo, a second and a first place. Uh, what did you make of, of him on board the Ducati? Obviously, his first win on a Ducati in Supersport as well. Yes, very strong. And he's stamping his authority now. I think he's like, I'm here. Because um, it was just... Probably in round one we were thinking on Chu and Buglega, but now definitely he's uh, he's making his mark in the championship. Very strong round for him. Yeah, Buglega, uh was there, got a podium in race two, but fifth place in race one and then third in race two. Not the same that he showed at Phillip Island, did he, Jack? It was uh, really... Uh, what looked like not a difficult weekend for Bulaga because he was still there. He's still leading the championship, but not as strong as what he showed at the start of the season. Yeah, I think race one he just struggled at the start with the rain. So then Philip Allen was very strong when the, it was raining and he had slicks on. But in race two, it just it just seemed that the, he didn't have the natural race pace to stay with the three guys in front. But then as soon as the tyre went off, his pace stayed exactly the same. He was actually matching the guys at the front. So... Weirdly, I think he's gone. He's gone in reverse to last season. Where last season he's always been like the strongest at the start, and then he drop off. Now he's the strongest at the end, but he's not strong at the start. So, uh, but he, you know, he's still in the championship. But I think the points gap is basically the same. We just swapped on to and Manzi around. So, I don't think there's any concern for for him. I think he did really well, and now we got Aston, where he was. He got third place last season, and. Uh, yeah, it was good. 
But also, I think he did get very lucky. He didn't get a penalty for the incident with Van Straal in race one. But uh, yeah, strong weekend overall. Yeah, another two riders that I like to bring up that I thought, for what they're on, had a strong weekend. The MIE Honda squad. I thought both of them had good results. Uh, both of them in the points in both races. Norodin, 15th in race one, and then 13th in race two. And Taron McKenzie was 14th in both races. Uh, Dawn, what did you make of, especially Taron McKenzie, one of the British riders in Supersport, what did you make of his weekend on the Honda that still isn't there yet? Yes, very good. A very strong weekend, because like you say, it's still not up to scratch the bike. And they were both inside the point, so it does make you think, like, at the next round, Will they, you know, where will they be? Could they get edging closer to that top ten? Yeah, and they and they both stayed on, and yeah, they they've great start to the championship. Yeah, they really are showing that if they are on, and hopefully they will continue when the the Honda is up to scratch. But they're showing that they both could be strong super sport riders if given the the right equipment, and uh, hopefully that Honda at Assen will turn up, will meet regulations, they won't get penalised. I would be surprised if Honda don't fix their problems by Assen. Uh, Jack, the other Brit, uh, well, another one of the, the three Brits, sorry, John McPhee, 10th uh, place and 11th place. Good weekend for, for John's standards, or did you expect a little bit more? I think he did okay. I was like, when it was raining in race one, I expected him to be one of the ones who would pop out, but I think it just wasn't raining enough for him to take full advantage of it. But you know, top 10 and 11th, it's okay. It's uh, an improvement to his drive uh, race in Philip Island. So it's all what's needed. You know, he made progress at the end of the day. That's what you have to do. So I think it's a, it's a good weekend. And it'll be when he gets to Wasson, he'll be looking to improve. Also, he wasn't at Mandalika last season, I don't believe, because of his injury to his back. So the fact that he's had to learn the circuit as well won't have helped him. So... Yeah, I think at Assen, you'd expect it to be stronger, but you don't know with the Hondas where, where they will be. But And plus you'll have all the European riders returning as well, so the grid will get even bigger, so the competition gets even harder. So then we'll see, we'll fully see where the whole grid is. But I think top 10 and 11th place, 11 points in total, I think that's a good weekend. You are very correct with John McPhee not being at Mandalika last year in Moto3, something that I completely forgot about, forgot he was injured at the start of last season. So yeah, learning the track on a new bike really to him still a, a decent showing from John and another rider who I noticed again throughout the weekend was there or thereabouts Marcel Scrotter. He just seems to be on the MV. He's on his way. It, it looks like for for Marcel, he's still getting consistent finishes for fifth dawn. What are you making of of Marcel's switch from Moto Two to World Superbikes? That's yes, very, yeah, very strong. Getting uh, was it two fourth places he got in both? He fourth in fourth both races. Fifth. Yeah, very strong. And like you say, he's just on the edge of getting that podium finish. And I don't think it'll be long before he he's up on that podium. And I just think Assen's going to be such a strong round with so many riders because they've all been there. All had you know most have had good results. So it's going to be an exciting round. He's made a great start. Jack, another rider who was up there, uh, Nicky Tooley on the on the Triumph. What did you make of, of his weekend with a podium in, in race one and then a sixth place in race two? Yeah, it's all reminiscent of last year where he was really strong in race one and then bad in race two. I wouldn't say bad, but it you know, wasn't as strong as you expect. But to get Trias' first podium of the season is very strong. He just lacked something to beat Car- to beat Caracasula in the second race in the first race. But yeah, very very good, um, good going by two leaders. was a bit weird moment between a pair of them when they were trying to catch on to and they were both doing things with each other with hand signals and each one of them was ignoring them. But yeah, I mean, it was, I was expecting Tuli to pull out something this weekend after a bit of a quiet Philip Island, but yeah, he's looking good. And now they can set the focus on uh, Assen and try, and try and get their first win. Yeah, uh, another rider just looking down the orders that uh, had a better showing at Mandalika than he did at his home race. Uh, Ollie Bayless with an eighth place in in race one from fifteenth on the grid. 
I thought that was a, a pretty strong showing from uh, Ollie and also um, Valentin Debis, who came from 12th on the grid to 6th place in race 1 for uh, GMT 94 Yamaha. He did then not finish race 2, but I thought both of them showed improvements from Philip Island. Dawn, what did you think of, of sort of some of the others that are outside the sort of big six and world super sport this year? Yeah, they all seem to be making progress. Like Ollie Bailey's, yeah, a little bit of a stronger round. And I think as the time goes on, we will see them creeping in to better positions for them all. But it's it's a big, strong class. It's, it is tough, but I think they'll all come to their own soon. Yeah, Jack, anyone else who stood out or underperformed in Supersport for you this weekend? Uh, I mean, the Beast, obviously, his sixth place was impressive. Um, Spinelli, he was very strong in race one until he crashed, and then yeah. race two, I think, just naturally took a bit more calm and finished, I think, ninth place. And then you got the, you got the battle with the two uh, Yamaha Thailand team of Saw Moon and Wong Fananon. Which caused, which allowed um, Noradin and Taz to get the points positions. So, those were the two, those are the two things that stick in my mind in race two. Don, what about for you? Anyone else in the uh, in the supersport class that that showed up or didn't show up for you? Uh, Harry Truelove didn't have a a bad round. Um, was it seventeenth in race one and sixteenth in race two? So, yeah, he's making steady progress. And um, perhaps Tuli can give him a few pointers, being his teammate, to bring him on a little bit. Yeah, hopefully it would be good to see uh, True Love make his way up. Obviously, uh, did score five points uh, at Phillip Island, and uh, hopefully he can score a few more throughout the season. Uh, just looking at the championships as a whole at the moment, uh, Bautista... Still got a strong lead in World Superbikes. 37-point lead over Top Rack and Locatelli in third. And a man that we keep mentioning, and he's always snapping at the heels of Rinaldi, Axel Bassani is now ahead of Ruben Rinaldi in the standings. Only by four points. But, Jack, do you believe that Ducati would potentially get rid of Rinaldi for Bassani come the end of the season if Bassani still... There, there or thereabouts with Ronaldo matching him, potentially even beating him or a little behind by the end of the season. Yes, yeah, if possible. I mean, last season they took a while to decide who they're going to choose. You just know the likes of Paolo Giovanni, Gigi Delinia there, and Todd Opsa there looking on, seeing what's going on. They will be knowing what both riders are doing. And I think the big difference in the moment between Ronaldo and Bassani is just the fact that Bassani is strong in the wet. That's the big difference I can see in them. And Bassani seems less impacted by what's going on around him and Bassani just gets on with it. You know, he was a bit angry at Sayurin, I remember in free practice free when he blocked him, but apart from that, I think he was just really calm and Bassani looks really strong and it's just like, if if you can get the factory package, you, I think obviously you do a lot better. Well, maybe not a lot better, but you know, he'd improve that just a few, those couple of attempts. And I think um, Rinaldi, to save his seat, he's going to have to pull at some more you can't afford to do mistakes like he did um, in race two. He's just going to make sure he pings home those second place finishes and try and just try and win a race against Bautista. Even that, that's very difficult, given the form Bautista's in. And but I think Rinaldi, he, he, the best way to deal with it is to not think it's happening and just get on with it. Otherwise, if he's thinking about where Bastani is, then Natch is going to do worse. So it's just. It's it's obviously a big talking. It was a big talking point last season. And it's it's even when the contract was signed, it's like well, still twenty twenty four, it could happen. So, <laughs> Bissoni's definitely in the in the hot seat to nab that that factory ride. Yeah, there is also uh, Petrucci as well, Dawn, who is only eleven points behind Rinaldi understandings. Obviously, he is older than uh, Axel Bassani, uh nearly. A whole decade older, so I think Ducati with Chibati would definitely choose Bassani over Petrucci as the the younger yeah uh, one for the future because Bautista's also getting on a bit now as a rider. Yeah. Um, 
do you think that Ducati would potentially look up maybe a switch between them and put him, if Ronaldo would, back into a satellite team and then Bassani onto the factory bike? Yes, I think that could possibly happen. But like Jackson, I think Rinaldi, if he could possibly win a race and beat his teammates, that'll be a good points thing. And then you've got to think about Belega as well. If he does really well, are they going to bring him up? And that I think that would cause a bit of a mix. Because I always think Belega, his stature and the size of him, he'd probably be better on a superbike, actually. So it's it, a lot going to go on this year in Ducati. Yeah, they have a they have a lot to decide because just looking yeah. down the order, obviously Bautista, Bassani, Rinaldi, Petrucci, Ertel, and Bulaga and Karas Casulo, who has had a go in superbikes before on a Yamaha, you have all of those seven riders that will want to be in World Superbikes, and there's only from what it looks like five seats available for them in World Superbikes, so there will be definitely some big shuffles towards the well, potentially maybe starting soon with how early Ducati tends to do things. They, uh, they've they left some things a little bit later now in recent years, but they have been victim before of making a move a bit too early and yeah. uh, dropping a rider that they shouldn't have, have gotten rid of. Uh, Jack, looking down the championship, BMWs, we spoke about it last week, still down towards the bottom. You have all four of them locked together. Reading, Vandermark, Gerloff and Baz from 14th to 17th doesn't seem like there's well there seems like some promise from Vandermark and Baz in qualifying but there didn't seem like the end was in sight for BMW's problems still no there's still things to be sorted as we've said before I think the fact that they're all they're all locked together in the sit in the in four spaces proves that it truly isn't a rider issue it's definitely a machinery issue we know how strong all four of them are they've all finished at the podium Three of them have won races. Gerloff has finished second. So, talent, talent-wise, talent they've not got a problem. I just feel like they need to f- just figure out what the problem is and whether it's they've got to just do a Band-Aid and fix it that way or they've got to... or they can actually fix it. But, yeah, I'm just expect. I'm just... you got to wait to Europe. you always got to wait to Europe to see what the condition of everything is. So if they, you know, they go to Aston, they go to Catalonia, and they're still struggling, then obviously they need to pull their fingers out and try and figure out the problem. But we we have to be patient. They're gonna obviously gonna be missing Baz for Aston, surely, unless he can pull off some kind of miracle work of fixing his ankle and in his leg. But it'd be interesting to see who replaces him as well. Whether it be um, trying to remember the, the Ukrainian. Rider was it Mikhail Chich, Was it last season? Yeah. So maybe yeah, him, yeah. or maybe they could get someone from BSB, like Peter Hickman again, or someone like that. If they if they are so desperately want to try and give someone like that a ride, because you know you got Eugene Laverty, he'll have connections with Michael, who'll have connections in the British paddock. So you never know. But just be interesting to see how BMW develop over the season if they can do what they did last season and progress to the podium places and but then to try and stay there as the season goes on and not fall back to to just outside the top five yeah the other manufacturer who last year weren't uh, completely at their dawn was honda obviously they seem to have made a, a step this year when you look at where their riders are vierhe obviously got his podium this weekend he's in seventh and lequona who we were saying didn't have a great weekend probably mental uh mental blockage maybe towards his results but a ninth in the championship for him at the moment and they're separated by 10 points they're they're having a good start to the season the the spanish duo oh definitely yeah they've definitely made the mark now in the championship which is good to see um i'm looking really looking forward to what they can do as the time goes on yeah uh, super sport championship buliga still leading 77 points to manzi's 59 both of our our choices there, your twos, Bulaga still leading the way, Manzi behind, but the one that we've, well, two of them that have really closed the gap, Onchu and Caracasulo. Uh, Onchu now only five points behind Manzi and Caracasulo eight points behind. So, Jack, do you think 
we will see a scrap between the four of them for the title, or do you think it'll be a scrap for, for second place with Bulaga? I think it'll be a scrap between all four of them all season. It just depends who's most consistent, but I'm expecting Assen. I'm going to try and get a shout out here. I'm going to say Glenn Van Stralen is the one. Is that your dark horse to look out for? Because he, he nearly won last season. He was really unlucky at the time of the red flag because he just got passed by Domi and then the red flag came out. So if Glenn could be fully fit, the bike could be fully working. It's Aston, it's his home race. If he could put the performance in last season, there's no reason why he can't win or leave down the podium. So he's my dark horse. But those four, I'm expecting them to be the main four, like the point said at the start. That's what I'm expecting them to be. But every round, you're going to be getting new challenges every single weekend. And it's just be up to, just up to those four to uh, try and be consistent, be the most consistent and try not to allow anyone else to start being in the title fight because... We know, like, we got, like, DeRosa, he was really lucky to get a puncture. He's more than capable of winning a title. He's won the Superstock Thousand Championship before. And Schrotter, if he, Schrotter's been very quietly consistent getting top five finishes. So he's won, to, if he can, I mean, he nearly won Aston in Moto2 last season before he crashed. So, you know, he could be one to look out for. So it's just going to be a battle of consistency, I feel, between all four of them. Yeah, Dawn on a... On Brit Watch in World Supersport, we've got John McPhee, seventh in the championship, uh, Taron McKenzie down in fifteenth, and Harry Trulove in eighteenth. Decent start for our British boys in a uh, World Supersport. Yes, very much so. Yeah, really proud of them. They've made a great start, and especially like you say with Taz, he hasn't had the hundred percent machinery underneath him that he should do. So I'm really excited to see what happens when he does. Definitely sneaking into that top 10 I think yeah it's uh World Superbikes now take a break in their uh in their season for a while before Assen like we said they get a break get there get some testing in for the the teams who are behind and uh they don't come back until the 21st of April where they will be at Assen like we've mentioned but before them we have MotoGP testing this weekend the final test before the season starts uh, just a quick one from, we'll go to Jack first. Do you still think we'll expect to see the Ducati riders on top at Portimao for the test before the opening round of the season? No, it'll be Maverick Vinales. The king of testing. Just because it's pre-season testing and Maverick. Yeah. He'll be the top three. You can sort of guarantee that he'll be. If he's not, is it, is it a very worrying sign or it's like, oh, is he at or, or is he Has just he been, not doing the qualifying <laughs> runs or whatever? But, I can't not see Maverick just sticking a lap in there and being top like he always is every single year. But I was expecting Ducati to be the main the main manufacturer. I'm expecting uh, I'm interested to see where Fabio is because he what he's been the strongest rider at Portimao over the past two seasons. So that'll be interesting. You're seeing where all the riders with their new bikes will be and comparing their lap times to last season, even though that's quite difficult because they only had one dry run was the actual race so but you know i think uh, it'll be just interesting to see try and dive in who who's got the best sprint race pace because that's obviously something they've got to focus on now and who will be have the best general race pace yeah we have uh, the portimao test this this weekend coming up then the week after the moto 2 and the moto 3 test and then you know on the on the 26th of of march it's back moto gp will be back racing with the the sprint races Dawn, the test coming up next uh, this weekend. Who do you expect to see towards the front? The Ducatis, Vinales, a bit like what Jack was saying? Yeah, definitely Vinales, like Jack said. But I do think the Ducatis will be up there. And I think possibly the Yamahas. I think they'll be looking to stamp a little bit uh, of track knowledge there as well, definitely. They definitely do uh, have something that they, they need to prove after... Yeah. Malaysia with uh, both Fabio and Franco complaining on uh, on low power for their uh, for their M1 Yamahas. Also as well this weekend, the first official BSB test over in Navarra. I'm not too sure on who's going. I don't think there's been a list of who's going and who's who's not attending. But we've seen a few, especially Honda riders out there in the weeks in in the build up to this test. We've seen Storm Stacy, I believe, has been out there as well. Uh, so Dawn, out from the few that we do know you're there, including rookie uh, Peary as well, who who would you like to see 
at the at the test and who would you like to see up up towards the front there uh i know omg racing there going um so it'd be nice to see kyle up there see what he can do with his new teammate ryan like i said i don't really know a lot of them are out there at the moment and you just think are they having a little pre-warm-up ready for the the main test at the weekend so yeah i'd expect kyle to be up there and like honda um and tom neve he's broken his collarbone so he'll be out and hopefully i think he'll be okay for the the start of the season and perhaps even the donnington test so but yeah i'm just sort of waiting to hear who actually will be there i do believe i don't think macadam uh not macadam sorry um the yamahas uh don't think they're going to be there uh macams so although i do believe that they are in spain at the moment so just wait to see who's going to be there actually uh, Jack, what do you uh, think of testing in Spain as a whole for BSB? Do you like the idea or do you think really it's potentially a bit of a waste of time for the series going out there to test? I do I think I do have a waste of time like because it's track time in the end of the day and it's better than testing here because I mean I'm looking at the window now and it's snowing so <laughs> if they did the test this week it won't go well <clears throat> but um, just the nature of the tracks aren't the same as they are in in the UK. So apart from maybe Donington and Silverstone, not or and maybe Snetterton, none of the tracks that you can go to Spain are going to be exactly the same as you could expect in the UK. So I think it's good for maybe warming up and just getting a general consensus of how the bike reacts. But I think. It's just you've got to wait till the first Donington test and the Silverstone test to fully know where people are. But I'm just intrigued to see how... I'm intrigued the most at BMW. Just because of how bad they've been in world, how will the new BM fare in the British paddock? But we've seen, we, you know, we saw last season the BM was probably the strongest package when because it finally found its window. When it found its window, it was the strongest bike. So if they can find the window straight away, there's no reason why the... If the the two FHOs and Danny Buck and can be at the front of the of the test, even though testing is obviously doesn't mean everything. But I think it's just the it's just the manufacturer I'm looking most forward to because there's so much unknown about it. Yeah, we are now thirty days away from the start of the BSB mm-hmm. season at Silverstone, uh, and things are starting to to hot up in the British paddock. Very, I'm I'm really looking forward to having BSB back. I'm looking forward to to being at Silverstone to to watch the opening round of the season and uh I can't wait for testing to start for them to see where all of the the riders are at. I think uh we're at a good point now to to end episode 3 of the the High Side News podcast. Dawn and Jack, thank you both for joining me once again. Uh I look forward to to next week where we'll be talking about the MotoGP testing and saying who was at Navara for the first official BSB test and seeing how some of the riders have done out there. Thank you all for listening. Uh, See you next week. Goodbye.